I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We'll get to the cane of it all in just a second, but very late last night, early this morning, after a thrilling Kings victory against the Winnipeg Jets in which Anze Kopitar scored four goals, some devastating news is Jonathan Quick traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Corpusalo and Gavrikov. They get the defensemen they're looking for. This is a good deal for the Los Angeles Kings, who are battling Vegas for first place in the Pacific Division and in a very wide-open Western Conference, might be able to make a run, and they just were not going to do it with Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick's got a 3.50 goals against average. He's under 500 on a team that's competing to win first place. Um, you had Peterson there for a while, and obviously um, Copley has been very good for them. Corpusalo is now somebody that can be certainly in the mix for them, and they just you know there just wasn't room for Jonathan Quick and make the deal work. He goes now. It doesn't make you feel any better if you're a Los Angeles King. I mean, this guy won you two Stanley Cups. He's probably, you know, Kelly Rudy was a really good goaltender, but the greatest goaltender this franchise has ever seen. He's probably among the greatest American-born goaltenders ever. He just recently passed Tom Barrasso for third all-time in wins by American uh, goaltender, and he's not happy about it. And, And you hate to see that happen. Um, you saw Dustin Brown uh, retire at the end of last season. Now Quick is gone. You know Dowdy is certainly getting older. Kopitar is getting older. So you're starting to see those cups from 12 and 14 begin to fade away. But Quick's a tough one because he had been a part of this organization for a long time. You do not win those cups without him and his great goaltending. And it kind of stinks. Uh, but I get what the Los Angeles Kings are trying to do. And the Western Conference is too wide open not to go for it. And there were people when the Kings were in town on Sunday talking about this team is winning in spite of its goaltending. And Jonathan Quick was just not going to be playing big games for them. He got pulled in the game on Sunday against the Rangers. Um, and now Corpusalo's got a chance to battle with Copley to, to, uh, to be the number one goaltender there. And I think he's a really good goaltender. The Blue Jackets also receive a conditional first-round pick in this upcoming draft and the third-round pick in 2024. But you look at those numbers for Quick. 11-13-4, 3.50 goals against average, 8.76A percentage. He's 37 years old. It's coming to an end. You just hate to see it end, you know, in the in the in the thickness of the night. You hear that he's upset about it. Heavy hearts for guys that he played with. I mean, Anze Kopitar played with this guy. Drew Doughty has played with this guy. I mean, there's a lot of players on that team that looked up to Jonathan Quick, and to see it end in a trade to the Columbus Blue Jackets is pretty tough, and he's going to be 3,000 miles away finishing up what could be his last season in the NHL on an also-ran with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So we'll see what happens with him the rest of his career. But uh, it's just tough when you hear he was devastated by it. And to have it happen so late and so jarring to that Los Angeles Kings team coming off that thrilling win, like I said, against Winnipeg last night, just really tough 
uh, to see that happen for him. So best of luck with him in Columbus. And I and I think it's a good move for, for Los Angeles. You take a look at where they are in the standings right now. They are tied in points with, with Vegas, although Vegas has played two less games. They have more wins. There's a big difference between Vegas and Los Angeles. How about plus 23 goal differential to even for the Kings? But with this move and the way Kopitar is playing right now, there's every reason to believe that the Kings can still win this division and possibly make a run in the wide open Western Conference. So you got to do what you got to do, even though it's probably really hard this morning and this afternoon for Los Angeles Kings fans to see one of the great players in the history of the organization go out the door in such a jarring move. The other big deal yesterday, of course, it became official. Everybody knew it was a fait accompli that Patrick Kane was going to become a Ranger. He's not going to play tonight in Philly. Chris Drury addressed that, saying that there were some travel complications. Let him get settled into New York. They're playing tomorrow in Ottawa against the Senators. So he will make his debut at the Garden tomorrow, not tonight in Philadelphia. Rangers will also be shorthanded with no Keandre Miller. He begins a three-game suspension for spitting in the direction of Drew Doughty back on Sunday. But Kane just brings so much to the table. We've talked about it before. He's a star. He's won three Stanley Cups. He can play right wing on three different lines. Let's face it, I'm not breaking up the kid line by any stretch of the imagination, but he can play on the top line. You can move VC down to the fourth line. You can play, and it looks like they're going to play Kane with Panarin and Trocek. Of course, Kane has a history with Panarin back in his days in Chicago. The star power of the Cups, the way he's played going into this deal, it really makes this New York Rangers team right there. Now, are they Boston? I don't think anybody's Boston. But we do know in the NHL, upsets happen, and the best teams don't always win. And you don't have to worry about Boston until you get to the conference final, and so much can happen between now and then. But eventually, Tarasenko is going to get better. He's going to get adjusted to New York. And you throw him in with Kreider, and Zibanejad, and Panarin, and Truba, and what Igor Shosturkin should be able to do the rest of the season. This is a star-studded team, and they are going for it. And it's a conditional second-round pick, which would become a first-round pick if the Rangers make it to the conference final, which I'm sure... Chris Drury would gladly hand over if they were able to win a couple of rounds and get to the conference final back-to-back seasons. And it would not be a first-round pick in 2023. It likely would be a first-round pick in 24 or 25. So the Rangers will maintain their first-round pick in 2023. So they didn't mortgage the house by any stretch. They didn't touch anything on the current roster of this team. Patrick Kane wanted to be here. And we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Both he and Tarasenko are free agents. But the Rangers see the writing on the wall. And the writing is they're in the conversations among the best teams in the NHL. And they've got some really tough matchups just to get to Boston. Think about it. Right now they're locked in to take on a New Jersey team in the first round that just picked up Timo Meyer. And New Jersey's the third best team in the NHL right now point-wise. So you got you got them in the first round. And if everything goes according to form, guess who's lurking in the second round? Carolina who you've beaten both times in the regular season and won last year in a best-of-seven series. But we all know how good Carolina is, first-place team in the Metropolitan Division. And then have to take on the Boston Bruins, who likely will be your opponent in the conference final. Heck, you could make the case, and I don't think it's really going on much of a limb, that having to take on New Jersey in the first round, have to take on Carolina possibly in the second round, and Boston in the conference final, those three teams would be tougher than anybody they faced in the final. Think about it. If it's Dallas, Vegas, Winnipeg, Colorado again, you know, when you look at the Western Conference, it's 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 inferior right now to the Eastern Conference. So that's a lot that you have to get through. And the Rangers felt like they made the right improvements to get that done. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, as of this recording right now at 1137 Eastern Time, Chikrin is still a coyote. So we'll see where he ends up. A lot of conversation. He may end up in Pittsburgh. JT Miller also rumored to be out in Vancouver. Does he go to Pittsburgh? He grew up near there in Ohio. So does he go to Pittsburgh? Uh, We do know that uh, a nice deal was made by the Edmonton Oilers as Ekholm goes over for Barry. Barry's an offensive defenseman. Ekholm can do it all. We know how good. And just think about all the great defensemen of the coming out of the Nashville Predators that are no longer there. You know, whether it's Ellis, whether it's Suter, whether it's Weber, Ekholm is now out there. They just were an institution for developing good young defensemen, and they all end up getting traded or leave via free agency. Ekholm is 32 years old. He's in the first season of a four-year, $25 million deal. So, you know, Barry Trotz, who's going to take over as general manager at the end of the year, will be able to free up some cap space for a, certainly a team that looks closer to a rebuild than a team that's going to make some sort of a run here. But Ekholm to Edmonton is huge. I mean, you look at that Oiler team that I think could very easily come out of the Western Conference. You improve defensively. You remember, because they, they, they were able to do it with an aging Keith last year. He's gone. You had Ekholm there for Barry. I mean, that's a, that's a big improvement. No offense to Barry. I like him as a player, but Ekholm is just better. They've got better goaltending than they did last year. Uh, right now, when you look at the offensive firepower that they have, it's just it, it's stunning what this team is able to do. A couple of more uh, um, points last night for you know one of the great players, Connor McDavid, in this sport. As McDavid uh, does a tremendous job in um, in getting the Oilers to a 50 goal season. Think about that. That's just been amazing what he's been able to accomplish there in Edmonton and Drysital and and Nurse. I mean, they just really stacked with a lot of a lot of firepower. So that is a tremendous deal. So we'll see what else happens. It's it was almost like the deadline was yesterday with all these deals and rumored deals coming down. We still have until Friday. Today is Wednesday, so still more deals can certainly come down. Let's take a look at the games that happened last night. The Islanders get a point, but they lose to the by the final score of two to one, do you realize um, why watching the broadcast last night? Tell me that this isn't an issue, and just how how the Islanders struggle to score goals. Maybe the best way to explain their issue scoring goals is in the shootout. Counting last night, they've had fifth, fourteen shooters in in shootouts this year, and they've only scored once. And they went zero for three last night. The Wild pick up uh, the win. Uh, Bailey had given. The Islanders a one to nothing lead late in the first period. Reeves comes back. Ryan Reeves has been good for that team overall, and he scores his first goal as a Wild, and that was late in the first period, and it stayed there until uh, Gaudreau got the game winner 
in the shootout. So the Wild pick up a really important two points for them as they now climb to second place in the Central Division with 74 points. They are right now one point back of Dallas, although Dallas has a game in hand. And the Islanders do earn a point, which is very important in this wild, wild, wild card race in the Eastern Conference. So the Islanders now with 70 points have one point lead on Pittsburgh, although they played four more games than Pittsburgh. It's hard to believe the Islanders have played 64 games already. So they don't have very many games, just 18 games left in the season. Uh, Buffalo's coming off a loss in a very average last 10. They sit four points back of the Islanders and three points back of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they do have a game in hand on Pittsburgh and five games in hand on the Islanders. So the Islanders needed all the points they can get there, and it's good they got a win. Kind of a strange scheduling in the NHL. Back-to-back games between the Red Wings and the Senators, both in Ottawa, and Ottawa scored a combined 12 goals. I think they outscored them 12-4 to in the two games. So the Red Wings took a huge step back with a couple of regulation losses and a couple of regulation blowouts to boot against the Senators. And don't look now, Ottawa now very much in the conversation to the playoffs. Their goal differential now is above zero at plus one. They've got 64 points, so they sit five points back of Pittsburgh with the same amount of games played. But they are six points back of the Islanders with four games in hand. They are just two points back of Florida with two games in hand to kind of get closer to the wild card race. So Ottawa's got a game coming up against the Rangers on Thursday on the road. So they're pretty much in a situation where they're going to have to go on a pretty interesting toot. And we'll see what they do with the deadline. But Kachuk has been good for them. Watson has been very good as well. So a good couple of wins for the Senators as they join the conversation. Panthers needed a win. They got it against Tampa. 41 shots on goal as they win over the Lightning by the final score of 4-1. to Stall lights the lamp, gets the uh, Panthers started as they were able to jump out to a 3-0 lead after one period of play and carried a 3-1 lead into the third. Tough loss for the Sabres at home against the Blue Jackets. you got to beat the Blue Jackets in your own building if you want to make the playoffs. That's a, that's a tough one. Blue Jackets have been pesky for sure. Thompson gets his 41st of the season, so he's been playing really well for them. But that's a bad loss. They had 41 shots on goal, but they couldn't crack the code. And the Penguins, excuse me, the Senators, Sabres, with an awful loss. We told you about the Kings' wild win in the shootout of the Jets. Kopitar with four goals. Winnipeg's kind of hit a little bit of a lull here. Uh, they got shut up by the Islanders the other night. They have now dropped to, dropped to the last wild card spot, four, five, and one in their last 10. So they're tied with Edmonton with 72 points. Now, Colorado's got 73, so Winnipeg can jump right back in, but they've had a a tough couple of weeks there in Winnipeg, and it showed last night blowing um, a 2-0 lead after one period of play and then losing on the Kopitar four-goal night. Pittsburgh getting hot again, 3-1 win over Nashville. So Ekholm is gone, Janot is gone in Nashville. Pittsburgh rumored to possibly get uh, Chickering, possibly get JT Miller as Pittsburgh has gotten hot again now. They've won three in a row. They've got that final wild card spot. So we keep going back and forth with the Penguins, but they're showing some life. Kraken beat the Blues by the final score of 5-3. to three. So the Kraken now battling Vegas for first place out west they sit in third place four points back of vegas and four points back of the kings for second place as the kraken climb out of the wild card bruins just continue to win they spot calgary a lead in this one as calgary had a uh, a um, boston jumped out to a um, early lead as orloff newly acquired scores two goals 
But then the Flames come back. Coleman is 13th. Dubé is 17th. Huberto is 12th. Make it 3-2. But then a tip-in by Zaka. That tied the game at three late in the third period. And then McAvoy with five seconds to go in overtime. Win it for the Boston Bruins, who only had four shots on goal. 57 shots for the Calgary Flames in this one. So you really can't kill the Flames at all for what they were able to do last night with all the shots on goal. That's just crazy the Bruins gave up that many shots. It was the second of back-to-backs for them. Allmark makes 54 saves for the win. But no matter how well you play, Calgary is a heap of trouble. They've played 61 games. They've got 67 points. They're five points out of a playoff spot. Nashville's done. So Calgary's really the only team on the outside looking in with a chance to make it. But they got to play better. They've only won three of their last ten. Their goaltending was great last night. They did earn a point. But no shame losing um, to the Bruins for sure. And just to round out the scores, Coyotes with a nice win, 4-1 over the Blackhawks. And the Canadians beat the Sharks by the final score of 3-1. to when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's hear from you at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct is always the way to be able to get in touch with me here. We didn't get to do any on Monday with the um, interview with EJ Raddick, so let's hear from you. Adam says, with the Timo Meyer uh, trade, can the Devils make a run at the Stanley Cup as soon as this season? Also, Don, growing up a Devil fan, did you watch the 20th anniversary ceremony for the 20- 2003 Stanley Cup champions? And if you did, did you get nostalgic? I didn't get a chance to see it, unfortunately. I was coming back from Washington doing the Ranger game on Saturday. So by the time I got back, it was late. And our DVR is just filled with, you know, old Quincy episodes. So I, I didn't have room to to do it. But it's hard to believe it's been 20 years since the Devils won that last Stanley Cup. And getting to know Mike Rupp, doing some Ranger games with him, and certainly knowing Danico as well as I've known him over the years. And it was in the infancy of this radio station. We were only two years old. We did a lot of broadcasts from that Stanley Cup final from the Meadowlands, including uh, being able to do a post-game in Game 7 after they won the Stanley Cup. Just an amazing stuff. And, you know, hanging out in the locker room with Scott Gomez. And it was just a, a, lot, of, a lot of fun. Very nostalgic moment. So congratulations to the Devils who did a really good job. And, and, and they did a great job on the ice, too, beating the Flyers 7 to nothing. Donnell says, okay, Don, let me ask you, who do you think won the trade between the Devils and the Sharks and the Rangers and the Blackhawks? And also, do you see the Islanders doing anything at the end at the trade deadline? Um, I'm not really sure what the Islanders can do at this point. I think they might have some maintenance deals. I don't think there's any big splashes left for them. They made their big splash with Horvat and signing him, which is big. Um, I think if you're the... Um, if you're the San Jose Sharks, I guess you're happy with what you got in return. It was a player that was not going to re-sign there, so you got something back. Zutterland is a nice player. You get 
uh, a first-round pick. So as far as who won the deal, it really depends on what the Devils do here. If the Devils make a run, even if they lose Meyer, if they make a run, you could say they won the deal. If the Devils get bounced in the first round by the Rangers and Meyer signed someplace else, then they lost the deal. comes down to that. And as far as the Rangers and the Blackhawks, the Rangers won the deal. There really wasn't any leverage the Blackhawks had. He had a no-trade clause. He only wanted to go to the Rangers. The Blackhawks are rebuilding. So they were able to get the return they got. Uh, maybe it ends up being a first-round pick in, in 24-25. But, you know, again, we'll see what Kane does here for the Rangers. And we'll see what those draft picks turn out to be. But right now, for not having any leverage, I think the Blackhawks did okay. But clearly, it looks like the Rangers won that deal. Bill says, look out for Ottawa playing excellent hockey lately, 10-3-1 in their last 14. Is there any chance they're the team who steals the eighth seed in the East? I'm going to say no, just because you've done all this work. As you said, they've won 10 of their last 14 games, and yet they're still very much on the outside looking in. So can they keep this up? It's hard to believe. They do have, you know, Giroux's been good. As I mentioned, Watson earlier. You've got Kachuk there. Stutzla scored a goal last night. So they're a nice team. Let's take a look at their schedule, because I think that might have a lot to say. They've got the game against the Rangers on Thursday. They're home against the Columbus Blue Jackets at Chicago. So a chance to get some points here. Then they got to go out west. Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. Then they come home for Colorado, Toronto. Then back-to-back games against Pittsburgh and Boston. They've got Tampa at home. Devils, that's a tough, tough schedule. Uh, I'm going to say right now, even though they're playing great, I, I, I think that schedule is just a little, a little bit too tough for me to really realistically think they're going to be able to make up the gap and make the playoffs. David Hines says, Paul Maurice won his 800th game in February, sixth all-time, yet he comes off to me as the Jeff Fisher of hockey. I feel Florida's taken a step back this year. If the Panthers can't pull off a playoff berth, could you see a coaching change, maybe Bruce Boudreaux? Well, I mean, it was unusual circumstances with the way Maurice stepped away from Winnipeg. Um, they did take a step back this year, although I don't think it's all Paul Maurice's fault. I mean, they lost some really important pieces there, you know, Huberto and, and, and Uyghur, um, to name a couple. Um, I like Paul Maurice. Now, the reason he has been able to compile 800 wins, he started coaching in Hartford when he was 28 years old. I think he's a heck of a coach. But Jeff Fisher's a good analogy because um, he's had his moments. I mean, certainly in, in Carolina, he took them to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, he's a good coach. Um, so I would not part ways with him after just one year. I would give it a chance. I'm a, I'm a Paul Maurice fan, but it is interesting. He's still a relatively young guy. I think he's only in his early 50s, and yet he's got 800 wins because he started out so young in Hartford. But I, I would not necessarily give up on him. Uh, John says, with no Lingren, Kane, or Miller for tonight, I'm only counting 17 skaters. Any idea how the Rangers will address this? With no cap room, um, I, I the morning skate is just concluding as we speak, and I, I will see who ends up being a part of it. I know um, Schneider was called up, so you can have him with Harper. You've got um, Fox is going to play with Mikola, and then you've got Truba. So they are they are lighted defensemen. I'm not sure where it goes. Um, Colin Stevenson tweeted out just a few minutes ago. Igor is going to start. No word on whether Lingren will play. Still day-to-day. No Kane tonight, so 11 forwards. If no Lingren, then 5-D. So it sounds to me, because of the cap situation, that they're going to have to play with 5-D if Lingren can't go. And with a game tomorrow, if Lingren can't go today, there has to be a distinct possibility he won't be able to go tomorrow, 
which means you might have to play with 5D for a a little while. Then they play Saturday afternoon, a 1 o'clock start against Boston. So if Lindgren doesn't come back... You'll at least be able to have Kane in the lineup, but yeah, you're going to be short. You're going to you're going to until they can kind of figure out how they're going to do this. At least for tonight, to answer your question, it sounds like they're going to go with just five D, and that's just that's hey, what are you going to do? That's just the way that the word. I, I hate the salary cap for that reason, but they do know they'll get Miller back after the end of the week. So Miller's done for tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. So you might have to go that long with. Um, with just the 5D. Not not impossible by any stretch. I mean, they ended up playing basically 4D for over 40 minutes back on Sunday and were able to win the game against the Kings. Joseph says, um, number one, was Miller's suspension uh, too harsh for a first-time event and that he did apologize? Two, is Kane's injury considered... Uh, is the Kane injury concerning at all? Three, who gets knocked off of the power play units? Four, Drury is the best GM. I mean, Rangers team going into the playoffs this year compared to last. All right, there's a lot of questions there for Joseph. First of all, number one, you got to get three games. Once he got a hearing, you knew he was going to get at least three games. That's almost a zero-tolerance situation, so I wasn't surprised by that. Kane's fine. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, again, it was just a logistics issue why he's not going tonight. Uh, the power play units, it'll be interesting. Um you were looking at like the power play from the last game: Kreider, Zabanajad, Tarasenko, Fox, and Panarin. Second units: Lafreniere, Trocheck, Kako, Miller, and Heedle. All right. For now, with Miller gone for the next three games, you could probably just slide Kane into the second unit if you want to. Drop Tarasenko to the second unit, but Kane to the first unit, so he's got a chance to play with Panarin on that first unit on the power play. And I guess it's possible if you wanted to once. Miller comes back, depending on how they play over these next three games, you you might go with five forwards on the second unit. Or if you wanted to take, um, you, know, you need Trocheck to win face-offs, but Heedle can win a face-off for you. I would probably, when Miller comes back, I, I, I think Trocheck's going to be the odd man out. That's for me. I know he wins a lot of face-offs and that important to get possession on the power play, but that's probably how I look at it. Uh, Sam Diaz says, how much pressure is on Gallant now that the Rangers lineup is loaded? I know the East is a beast, but if they fail to get out of the first round, is Gallant getting fired a possibility? Well, here's the thing. Do you believe the Devils are good or not? If you think the Devils are a really good team, is there a shame into losing them in the first round? I don't think I don't think Gerard Gallant is in any position to get fired. He went to the conference final last year. He's had a very good team this year. Um, they went out and got some pieces, so it looks on the surface like, hey, I'm going for a championship. But I just gave you the path, man. I mean, uh, Devils are good. I think the Rangers can beat them. But can you say should beat them? Definitely will beat them. All very interesting conversation, and that's why it's going to be so much fun to watch the playoffs when they do happen. All right, Friday, um, we are going to put together – a, a tremendous top five of the week. Give you an idea what's... You know what? Because the deadline is Friday, let's see how many trades come down today. So I, I might... St- I'll try to maybe do one later in the day. Stick around. Check social media. See if I do something on Friday. With the deadline, it might be kind of obsolete to see a bunch of deals come down once I've already recorded. Don't want to waste everybody's time. So let's see how many deals come down. And if it looks like there's nothing really left then maybe I will do one 
If it looks like a bunch of things are happening um, or, or pending to happen when I would record it, then maybe we'll do what we'll wait till Monday. But anyway, hang out. You want to get in touch with me at Don LeGranca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Always the best way to do that. We will talk to you again soon. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LeGranca.